Good morrow to you all. You have fallen on bad times. Brought to you by the Royal Holloway Shakespeare Society. You join me, Theo Dudridge. And me, Lynn Biles, as we bear some bardy truths. Hello and welcome back to the first Bard Times episode of this term. For anyone that doesn't know me already, I am Lynn, I am your first year rep, and I am taking over the torch from Supan this term. For my first episode, I thought I'd keep very focused on my own role in the committee and do a very specific first year based episode and give you some insight into what it's like getting involved with Shakespeare Society in your first year. Or maybe you're just a newcomer and want to have a look at what we have to offer performance wise or academic wise. Or perhaps you're a prospective student who's eagerly looking in hopes of finding something to do with us next year. This is also a really good opportunity to let you know, as of tomorrow, when this episode comes out, we have our Macbeth auditions for our spring term show. So keep posted, I'll talk about that a little bit later on in this episode. But first, I'd like to introduce my first guest. This is Merrick Pittman, and they're also a first year. Merrick. Tell us a little about yourself and why you're here. Hello, my name is Merrick Pittman. I'm a first year in drama and music. And my deal is basically I'm an opera singer by trade. And I'm also, I guess, an actor. And it's wonderful to have you here. So between the both of us, we've both been involved with two of the separate shows that went on last term. I was in A Slide Taming, whereas you were in A Midsummer's Night Dream of 48. And ironically, I missed out on 48 because I was seeing Macbeth. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think it'd be really nice if you could tell me a little bit about that process and how that went for you. Because obviously doing main term versus 48, there's so many differences that come up in different types of performances. And I kind of wanted to get, like pick your brain about why and how you went for 48 and sort of how that experience was to go through so i guess starting it off how was auditions for you i mean for 48 i kind of just walked in <laughs> i mean i was early to my audition because nobody was there well i suppose that there's nothing wrong with being early and to be fair one reason i love shakespeare society and performing with them is because of how chill things are you still get a sense of being in a like proper show and like how things work in like an industry-based standard but the people that you're sharing time with um it's always such a lovely atmosphere and i mean just having somewhere where you don't feel scared to go in. I feel like with me, when I got the taming auditions like sprung upon me in the first week, it was kind of like, okay, I, I can do this. And I think that sort of encouragement you get in those early stages is really good. The audition process, mm. I mean, it was, it had a kind of uh, improv just to it. And it makes sense because it was uh, 48. Yeah. And um, I was basically given a choice between like three objects and I had to pick it up and give a pitch to, about it. Yeah. And um, that kind of, it's something that I haven't done before. Mm. I mean, I've done a bunch of like similar productions because I've done a lot of productions of with a company back in Las Vegas, which is where I'm from, with a company called uh, Bar to the Bar. Which is a Shakespeare company that does stuff uh, exclusively in bars and whatnot. Mm. 
which is always fun. And they always do something like, you know, truncated and, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. But it's always casual. Mm. So, yeah, it, it had that kind of vibe. Mm. Yeah, and I think what is really lovely about Shakespeare Society is you just kind of go along and you, at the end of it, you come out of a show that do, you do feel proud, like, showing people, but at the same time you have the ability to kind of make it fun and make it your own and really get a chance to explore which i just i think that's great so kind of condensing the rehearsal period down to 48 hours um i can imagine that's kind of kind of a challenge with shakespeare i think i'd find that quite daunting but how was it for you i mean when you're when you're keeping all of your actors on book mm. it's definitely a lot easier yeah especially you know given 48 hours <laughs> though it isn't continuous 48 hours it's just you know mm. a very much so cut down 48 hours if you're doing that it makes it, it's easier yeah. it's easier on the the load i say i'd say mm. yeah makes things definitely better especially with the whole wordiness of mm. shakespeare yeah i think that's where a lot of people kind of can slip up Mm -hmm. And I think we're quite lucky that we have so many amazing dramaturgs, because Benice was your dramaturg, wasn't she? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So, um, having so many dedicated dramaturgs in Shakespeare Society, I think it's one of those roles that people don't know about when they come to uni, and then suddenly they hear about it and they kind of do the work behind it. I mean, I did some dramaturg work on a bid that we bid last like for this term for our spring term show mm -hmm. and i mean it's one of those things where so i do english and drama so that's one of the things that for me i found very very interesting looking at but yeah breaking down how wordy shakespeare can get is one of those things that either makes a performance or kind of makes it all over the place so having that kind of understanding of what you're saying and when you're saying it and the impact of what you're doing, I think that's really, really important, especially when you have such a short time period to kind of explore those ideas. So during that time, were there like any highlights or pros of doing 48? Well, the cast was very much a perk. They were yeah. very fun and um, it, it being in such a short time period and just in general, it's very fun mm. kind of community yeah. to be in invested in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can I can only agree with you there. The people at Shakespeare Society are just so lovely. I mean, being a first year, it's so easy to kind of get swept away in the amount of people at Royal Holloway. It's mm -hmm. insane sometimes. But I, I remember my first night when I moved here, I went to the pub with Shakespeare Society and it was just like that. We just kind of... Um, I got adopted. You kind of find yourself just part of a society and like swept away into like one area but also you do have the opportunity to explore different areas especially in performance and you know it's lovely talking about an opportunities coming up we have our Macbeth auditions which I will continue to keep plugging throughout this episode because we want as many of you to get involved as possible you can find everything Macbeth on their social media pages which is rhul Macbeth at the moment auditions are going to be happening tomorrow as of the day that this goes live so if you're listening to this not on the 9th i'm sorry if you want to sign up for an audition slot 
there's a doodle poll which you can find in the bio of their Instagram and I'm pretty sure is somewhere on their Facebook if you want to look for it. So please do come along, audition, it's guaranteed to be a lot of fun, I mean as fun as Macbeth gets but the people are wonderful, the crew are amazing and I've worked with most of them before and I just know that this is going to be a great great show so you know if you fancy getting involved doesn't matter who you are how much experience you have it's going to be great come along and join us stepping back from all things society i kind of wanted to pick your brain on how theater from our two very different backgrounds kind of has become such a large part of our lives how did you really like get into theater well i started out as a stagehand Oh, um, lovely. Yeah, my mother is a stage manager professionally, and she, uh, well, as it happens, you, you kind of get dragged in. <laughs> oh, I, I know the feeling, yeah. Um, my dad, for those who haven't listened to other episodes, uh, my dad is a professional actor, as was my granddad, so it's a, it's a bit of a family trade, so I, I absolutely feel you. So another thing that I'm really interested in is Shakespeare education, how people kind of caught wind of Shakespeare the first time. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of remember your like first interaction with Shakespeare? Because I know a lot of people kind of have very vivid memories of like studying Shakespeare in school and it's usually like a negative thing or something that they don't really gel with and then they find later in life like at uni and then they get really into it. So kind of how was that with you? Back in like um, I think it was middle school mm -hmm. I, I was introduced to uh, Shakespeare yeah. And it was required reading. Well, I had a choice of different like required readings, mm. and um, I chose Shakespeare as some of them. But mm. I wasn't really into Shakespeare like avidly. I didn't like go mm. out and watch Shakespeare of my own accord or anything like that. Given you know I was in middle school, <laughs> I wasn't you know, that mm. into it. I wasn't raised on Shakespeare. I was raised on, you know, Bionicle. Yeah. Um, but later on, when I was actually working as a stagehand, mm -hmm. I was introduced to the glorious world of Shakespeare. And that kind of got me interested in it as a thing. Yeah, I think definitely like seeing Shakespeare for your first time it's really a game changer. I kind of had the opposite thing happened um, back when I was in middle school. Uh, we had, obviously we, we studied Shakespeare as well, but before studying Shakespeare, my dad had dragged me along to see The Merry Wives of Windsor in an open air production mm. that his friend was playing Falstaff in. And I remember my parents vividly saying to me in the car, you don't have to actually pay attention, you just have to kind of go along and show support. And I just remember watching it and being like absolutely awestruck that something, because Shakespeare through like social osmosis and like classism mm -hmm. has kind of become this thing that people associate with like elitism and being yeah. really difficult to understand. And I think obviously this is what um, inspires me to do the work that I do. Um, I remember sitting in that audience, I couldn't have been much more than like 12 at the time, 12, 13. Mm -hmm. And just like watching it and understanding and I was just struck by it. It was just one of my most formative memories I think because it's just 
it made me who I was. And I remember going into middle school, going into the library the week afterwards, and like digging out all of the Shakespeare books, reading through the stories. Funnily enough, the first story I ever read was The Taming of the Shrew, <laughs> and I hated it. But look where we are now. So, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it was just one of those things where I was like, I kind of wanted to be smarter than I was. And mm, I was yeah. very much like, oh, well, this will make me look smart. And then I just like fell in love. And I was like, oh, that was unexpected. But you know, here we are. Kind of going on from that, we've kind of touched upon it, but I know a lot of people kind of have very, very negative experiences with Shakespeare, like mm -hmm. especially in education. And I kind of want to see whether that was the same in America versus here, because I know a lot of people that I talk to who have come from Britain, with secondary school, there's this universal kind of, we know the way that we teach Shakespeare isn't very good. Like, even I have negative experiences with learning about Shakespeare. I remember doing Merchant of Venice at GCSE, and I just, I, I couldn't, the way it was taught, the structure of the way that we learned, it was very text-based when it really should have been physical, but I kind of wanted to see whether you experienced it more in English versus potentially theatre and kind of how that was for you. With Shakespeare, I wasn't really, I wasn't really taught Shakespeare that much in like, yeah. um, high school. So I didn't go to a physical middle school. Uh, and middle school is where I was taught most of my Shakespeare. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, in high school, that's where I was taught things like the Crucible. And, oh, I um, love the Crucible. Yeah, I played stuff. Mary Warren in the Crucible <laughs> when I was like 17. Good times. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, I, there, there were a few, like, things. We did cover Twelfth Night in oh, high nice. school, in my senior year. But I believe that the way that, um, it was handled was okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. It had everybody assigned a part, but it was just not that conducive to learning the material. Yeah. Because nobody understood what they were saying, yeah. basically. I think that's very much the problem with um, our side as well. We very much had a similar thing where every lesson we'd have a different person playing all the different characters and things. Mm -hmm. And we weren't actually told what was happening. And I think mm -hmm. for a lot of people who don't have that physical element mm -hmm. and don't visually see what is happening, it's really hard to grasp. I mean, even now, like, I, who have had a special interest in Shakespeare for the last decade of my life, there's even times that I don't know what I'm saying, and, like, I remember um, Jack had a pearl of wisdom in Taming, and that has really stuck with me. And he's like, you you will learn your lines once you know what, it, what it's saying. I had one speech quite close to the end of the play that I was really struggling with and I remember him just saying look if you're struggling to learn the lines all you need to do is visualize what you're actually saying mm -hmm. and it was like it just clicked and I was like oh my gosh you're a genius thank you that's changed the entire way that I look at learning lines now so thank you Jack for that one um but yeah kind of learning about Shakespeare is just a really interesting one. I mean, I've had positive and negative experiences. I mean, Merchant of Venice was absolutely dreadful because so many people were confused. They just lost interest. Whereas at A-level, which is like our sixth form kind of 
age 17 to 18, mm-hmm. yeah, we had a much smaller focused group who had chosen, obviously, to do English Lit as a subject. But I think what would be better is obviously tackling Shakespeare in drama opposed to English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that there's this quality of, like, performance that when you take that out of studying Shakespeare at any level, it kind of just loses its heart and loses its focus. And I just, I don't know, there's something about learning about Shakespeare in English, even though the qualities of it as literature are, like, some of the best examples of literature we have in the English language. I just, I find it really interesting that you kind of remove part of it to learn about it. Yeah, it is torn apart mm. in order to just find how to build it up. That's a lot of what, I guess, learning is. Mm. I think especially when you have kids who have been told from such a young age, this is confusing, you're not mm. going to understand this. You're putting them down and setting them up to fail. And then you have in the room when you are studying it, like 20 to 30 kids who are all like like me in the car with my parents going you're never gonna understand that don't worry it doesn't matter if you pay attention and i think you just disengage them immediately yeah and it's like that element of performance is something that i think is engaging i mean you don't have to enjoy being on stage you don't have to enjoy performing but just watching other humans take on these roles and play out these emotions that still resonate 400 years later it's just it's it's powerful it's moving and i think that's just a quality that we've lost which you know come on education you could do better than that i mean there's one thing that i've definitely noticed Mm. is a difference between where i am here versus back home in Mm. the u.s and that is that there's a distinct uh, preference Mm. for live theater here yeah yeah and back home that was (laughs) the case yeah my well my next question for you was how accessible is theater in general so i suppose we can kind of go on from that point i know for me theater was something that was always around me and i mean i lived not too far from london i lived about two hours out and I would just always be seeing shows and things and keeping in the loop and getting involved with things. But like, how is that for you, seeing shows, being involved with shows? So there's a, there's not exactly anything big in Vegas. Mm. Um, it's very small as far as theater goes. It's a big place. <laughs> it's definitely getting better, I'll say, as mm. far as theater goes. It's getting a lot better. There are a lot more theaters popping up. And mm. it's booming, for sure. But um, back when I started, which was in 2012, 2013, mm. something like that, there were maybe four community theaters. Gosh, yeah. And um, so there's one big one. one. It's called The Ranch, basically. Mm. Super Summer Theater is called. Uh, that's where I did the first show. It's an old one. It, it was around since, I don't know, the 60s, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 So they do, like, musicals. One that I started off with was Oliver. Oh, for lovely. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Um, but uh, after that, I spent most of my time working at this other place. It was started in the uh, late 90s, I believe. Mm. Called, well, technically not at the 
location I was at, but the company. The company's been around since the 90s. The location's been early 2000s. It used to be called Cockroach. Cockroach Theater Company. Mm. And they were, shall I say, ramshackle. They had one uh, bathroom in the place that was uh, for cleaning. And um, it wasn't a slop sink in it. So uh, you had to grab a little... This is when I was doing uh, crew work. So um, at this time, a very memorable moment Mm. for me was doing the normal heart. Mm. This was maybe, I don't know, 2014, something like that. Yeah. I would grab a pitcher and I'd fill it up with water Mm -hmm. from this sink and I'd dump it into a um, larger mop bucket to fill it up Mm. so that I can clean the stage that has had groceries thrown on it. I mean, there's milk all over the stage from the scene on stage. Yeah. I mean, for one, it was absolutely awful every night. Imagine, oh gosh. On the other hand of things, it was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Because even though it's such a small theater community, mm. and they're like, so there aren't many like theaters. Yeah. The community is so well knit together. I know so many people there. Yeah. Like, I'm, it, it's so tightly knit. Mm. And they're, they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, some of them are actually, like, have trained here in the UK. I mean, one person that I worked under a little bit, several of them actually trained here. And it's mm. wild how many of them actually did so much. And instead of going on to bigger places, they've actually gone ahead and been okay with this. Yeah. It's yeah. actually kind of comforting. Mm. I mean, sure, it's pretty okay to work as one of the blue men for the blue men group. (laughs) It pays the bills. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, that kind of experience comes from watching my dad and watching his career. Obviously, watching the sort of different things that he did throughout my childhood. um, That was obviously like really interesting and it's given me a perspective into the kind of stage community. I mean, I missed out quite a bit on getting involved with theatre from a young age, because I mean, I was I was in a lot of um, a lot of children's like acting schools and things like that, and I did that quite a bit as I went up the ladder of education and I got quite ill. I kind of fell off the ball a little bit, but being here and starting back up with Shakespeare Society and. I ran a Shakespeare Society at my previous university. Seeing those different areas and talking to those different people, even when I wasn't involved, was like really important for my own development and it's kind of put me where I am today. And it's just so funny that you kind of go, oh, I don't want to follow in my family roots, I'm going to be rebellious and go do costume design or something. <laughs> and you still end up, you still end up in your dad's shoes. So what can one do? Yeah, so I suppose moving on from that, uh, is there anything that you're looking forward to? Any like long-term or short-term goals or plans, maybe getting out of Shakespeare's talk or just being here in England in general? Any shows you want to see in particular whilst you're here? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I would actually like to see Cabaret. Oh my god. Don't don't stop me on Cabaret. I won't stop. I went and saw Cabaret this weekend and it is one of the best pieces of theatre I've ever seen. Uh, it had Eddie Redmayne as the MC and it was just just very good. I'm sure I'll give it a full review at some point, but I very much do not have hours and hours on this podcast to just talk solely about Cabaret. Maybe maybe another time on a different podcast. <laughs> but yeah, um, so anything in general that you like want to get out of your experience at Shakespeare Society? Any like plays you'd potentially want to do? Ah, uh, well. Mm. Uh, you see, the thing is, uh, yeah, a lot of like Shakespeare plays. You know, you do. Mm. It's just one. There's it's one repertoire. Yeah. It, it's one. I mean, the mm. one thing I want to do so much mm-hmm. is Friedrich Schiller, mm. the works of Friedrich Schiller, in particular Don Carlos, and it's. I mean, because it's not done that often, and. Mm. Or if it is, it's just not done <laughs> enough for me to see it. <laughs> but no, hopefully within, like, you know, being here and having so many years ahead and modules to choose. And I mean, it won't ever stop you from bidding or forcing one of your friends to bid, potentially, <laughs> for Drama Sock at any point in the near future. Uh, that's what I, I just love about here is... The community is so good that if there's something that you particularly want to do or want to see happen or want to be in, the amount of people that will rally behind you and sort of like make that happen, it's just really nice that people here are just so concerned about building each other up and giving people the experiences that they want to have. And I just, I love that. I just, being here, even though we've only been here a term, Mm-hmm. It's just, it just feels so nice to be part of something like that. But yeah, on that note, obviously I'd like to thank you, Merrick, for being mm-hmm. my first ever guest. Mm-hmm. Just one more thing, obviously, please do get involved with Macbeth. Again, the Doodle poll is on all social medias relating to Royal Holloway Macbeth. And also stay posted on our social media. Um, we have refreshers events coming up that will be announced this week. And it would be lovely to see as many people as possible in a casual setting. There's no impetus on performance or academia. Just come along, have a chat with us. We are really fun and great. Do follow us on social media because we have so many exciting opportunities coming up over the next term that I'm really, really hoping that you will get involved with. And I'd love to see you there. That is goodbye from me. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Bard Times. I've been your host, Lynn, and in the words of the Bard himself, Our doubts are traitors. They make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt.